This is Minecraft, a podcast series in which we aim to destigmatize mental health one podcast at a time. In this episode, we continue our discussion with Marusia Bardaji about mental health in the classroom. Relating back to a bit of um, previously uh, what you've mentioned, that I can be open and I can be there and I can uh, provide my support with like really just tiny things that I can do to my peer, to as a teacher. But if someone is having a really intense emotional um, situation, at that moment, if 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 you said these things to me, let's say three years ago, um, and and someone would have like a panic attack or anything like that, or being overly aggressive or uh, being completely isolated, I would get stressed from that situation. Mm-hmm. How can I be sure that I've done enough? And how can I be sure that that I don't fall into the trap of getting stressed and extracting myself from the situation to prevent myself from stress? Well, um, I think it's really a decision that each one of us has to make um, when such situations occur. I mean, we can really uh, know... Uh, in advance, how we would behave. Uh, sometimes you don't feel uh, strong enough to go there and and offer help. And there is someone else that feels uh, conditioned and, and, and takes the lead and, and goes. I mean, we don't need to feel pressure to, you know, sometimes um, even if someone goes and talks to you about something and you don't feel you have uh, conditions or that you, you at that moment are not prepared to help, I mean, you just can uh, say it. You know, I I don't know if I can really help you in that situation because it's something, um, you know, that goes uh, for your personal relations or that really... Uh, needs or seems uh, to be intense and maybe you could uh, talk to someone else you know I'm here and you can talk to me I I can listen to you but there's really not much that I can do uh, in that situation and or I can really be open myself and say I really don't think that I that I can at this moment do what you're asking me to or uh, participate more actively uh, in that in that situation that is also okay I mean uh, again we are not health professionals so our role is not to treat Uh, our role is to be there and not judge and offer help and offer our time sometimes is that the the most we can offer i'm here if you want to come and talk to me i'm here if you need uh and this is our limits you know we have limits and we have our personal limits sometimes um the topic 
of the situation is sensitive for us. So we need to respect that also. Uh, I don't want to uh, prejudice my own mental health in order to help someone who is struggling with something. You know, I, I need to know my limits. Uh, and as a teacher, I may feel that I'm not the best person because I don't think I communicate that well or I think I have some difficulties with some uh, behaviors that I don't deal well with those behaviors. Of course, I can receive training. Uh, but if I think I'm not the person, I can contact someone else and, and I can share my concerns. Um, and sometimes this is our... Uh, Again, our first aid uh, intervention is, you know, share our concern with something, uh, with the more with someone who is trained or specialist in in the subject. I mean, like here, uh, I'm the well-being coordinator. So sometimes uh, a student comes to me and say he or she is concerned with someone else uh, because. Uh, the changes uh, of behavior are being observed because um, that student may be having some difficulties and, you know, it's not the role of, it's not the friend's role to address it uh, directly or to treat, but they can come to me and, and share their concern. I can go to a teacher and say that I am concerned with my fellow uh, student, with my peer, because she's behaving or he's behaving differently. And I'm afraid she or he may be having some problems and I can talk to the teacher. I don't take the part myself, but I don't cap it to myself as well. You know, if I witness something, you know, I can... If I'm on the street, if I'm on the shopping mall, uh, I can alert someone that I feel it's more prepared to deal with those situations uh, and say, I, I think something is happening with that lady. Or uh, if I don't feel the confidence to go there and offer help, I can signalize, I can uh, make the contact that person with that someone else uh, I feel could be able to to do something and, and intervene more directly. I mean, I don't feel uh, obligated to do anything. We don't need to feel obligated to do anything. Of course, the more we know, the more confident we are with our own information and um, the closer we are with the situation and the person of course we have the tendency to to go ourselves and and intervene but that's not mandatory you know we can contact someone else we can get help ourselves in order to help someone else so this is also important yeah i think uh, all of your suggestions will be really useful to um, not just teachers but i think also to students um, even if they are young, because this is something that anyone can do and anyone can be good at. But um, going more towards um, a serious 
version of like a severe anxiety or panic attack that someone might be facing. What are some of the physical signs and symptoms that show these severe anxiety and panic attacks? And what are your suggestions as a professional that someone in this situation might do to mitigate the immediate um, severity of these attacks? Um, in terms of symptoms, uh, anxiety, really intense anxiety or panic attack uh, usually will involve trouble breathing and uh, heartbeat, uh, the acceleration of, of the heartbeat rate, uh, shaking, uh, not really thinking, uh, getting confused in terms of, of thinking and, and reasoning, uh, but especially the physical symptoms, it's really trouble breathing and talking, uh, having difficulty to control movements, so getting really uncontrolled in terms of hands and sometimes legs, um, blushing and getting really heated. Um, so in those cases, again, uh, we need to respect what that person may need in terms of uh, being surrounded or having the space. Usually, having the space, you know, to regain the control over breathing. And so not having everyone else uh, over him or, or her to really open and have the air more available. Uh, asking if uh, drinking something or lying down. Sometimes it's not lying down. Sometimes it's just being as they are um, going to the bathroom and washing the face for someone uh, can be helpful for others, not really. So it's really respecting what that person wants to do. It's like, do you want to stay here? Do you feel the need to lie down, uh, to lay down a little bit? Do you want to drink something? But not overwhelm that person with questions. You know, uh, first thing, most important, get some space and let the reaction uh, go as, as, as it needs. So uh, in order to regain calm and control, offer the different uh, possibilities, drinking something, going outside if it's an inside environment. Uh, going to the bathroom, uh, eating, calling someone uh, to feel more more protected and to feel surrounded with trusted people. So do you want me to call someone, your parents, uh, a friend, your boyfriend? Uh, do you need me or do you need to be uh, taken to somewhere else? It's really respecting what can uh, work for that person. Uh, most of the times, having the space clear and uh, trying to prevent extra risks. You know, being at some place where that person can uh, be hurt uh, because there's, you know, objects 
dangerous around or she or he is is in a place that is not really uh, safe in terms of what can happen if she or he drops or, you know, uh, faints. So basically it would be the first aid intervention, but respecting what that person needs don't try you know drink this and breathe and it's not if she could or if he could it would be done already so it's not it's not me saying keep calm that really produces that calm so it's respecting what is going on there you know the breathing will come back on time and if that person takes the actions he or she is used to if it's not the first time um, or we can provide alternatives and see what is most uh, useful in that situation you know so in the school uh, usually calling the parents if I'm talking about a child or underage in school I'm almost uh, always talking about an underage so uh, contacting the responsible and talking about the situation uh, in, in order to not uh, maybe create uh, an alarm uh, environment in classroom or something maybe take uh, the student out in order to have some space sometimes other kids don't know exactly what to do and tend to be uh, really stressed or you know confused themselves so having someone to deal with the other kids or students while uh, the student in case it's being taken care uh, somewhere else it's really uh, at the moment and right after something like that happens so there is a first aid to the environment as well not just uh, to the person so if I am in an environment that has really low uh, information and that you know in which those issues are never or almost never addressed it can be really messy it can be really confusing uh, so it's important to take care of the person and to take care of uh, any anyone else that is that was involved in the situation so you know talking to the students trying to figure out what they understand about what happened and reassuring there is uh not in you know, no not a not a um extremely dangerous situation is something that can happen and we know uh, how to deal with it so they don't need to be uh, afraid of that or afraid of their peer you know and trying to provide some uh, tools for them to deal with just happened because if I'm talking about child uh, eight years seven years nine years ten years uh, they probably not know what's going on so it's important 
for us to provide information about what's going on and not hide the information and try to, you know, uh, making making the attention go to to somewhere else. You know, we need we need to address what happened, and this is sometimes um, the misleading. Uh, understanding that that environments tend to to adopt how how do i talk to that person when he comes or she comes back to classroom or you know can can i be friends with him or her uh seek is, is that a disease is there something you know we have to answer those questions we need to get proper answer for those questions, especially if we are dealing with younger people. So this is also first aid intervention with the other participants of, of the event, not only for that person uh, struggling with the panic or anxiety attack or an aggressive uh, reaction, you know, a violence, uh, violent situation that can also, it, it is also really increasing uh, as an expression of mental health suffering, you know, uh, violent episodes in, in school environments. And this is um, sometimes not treated uh, with the same attention or caring that we usually uh, treat the externalizing symptoms of uh, anxiety or depression uh, we tend to see violence uh, as a personality trait uh, more than sometimes uh, the response that person can offer to their own uh, suffering so sometimes uh, the violent episodes are also mental health related and and we should know how to address them as well Thank you very much. I I think like basically if you Google what to do if you have panic attack, mm -hmm. it's like lie down on your back with your feet raised or something like that. Um, and there's like different kinds of advice from different places. Mm -hmm. But most of the reliable sources just say create a safe environment, um, give them some space, but also like reaffirm their problems and everything that you have already mentioned. So So if I really Google this, and I get a list of things to do, mm -hmm. that's not a good list because that doesn't fit the situation for everyone. That fits the situation for some. Exactly. So, that's why you need to know what that person could feel uh, as beneficial. Yeah. I mean, exactly. That That's why we need to know what that person could feel uh, as beneficial. I mean, if I have a panic attack, I, I don't want to lie down. Because I would feel like you know too too fragile if if I'm laid down. I I, I wanna I wanna be there like that. So you know, offering me lay lay down, lay down. No, no, don't lay down, <laughs> and don't pressure me to lay down. You know, it's that in that sense that I'm saying, give a safe, prepare a safe space for for that, and ask the person what she wants to do. She wants to eat. Get that something to it. She wants to drink water, get water. She doesn't want to eat or drink anything. Leave her. Leave him alone. Do you want to say something? No. Usually they don't want to talk. They just want to calm down. So I'm hearing um, and offering some alternatives. Those lists are lists 
uh, of alternatives and things that uh, for most part of people are considered helpful, but, you know, every rule has exceptions. So uh, I don't want to lay down, for instance, and maybe you would love to lay down. Uh, so if we both are having a panic attack, the same thing wouldn't work for both of us. So um, I don't want to drink or eat anything if I'm if I'm anxious. Uh, I just want to be. I I don't want to put things because I don't know if I'm going to feel sick or that. So no, no eating, no no drinking, no nothing. But you can feel dizzy if if you have a uh, anxiety attack. I don't feel dizzy. So maybe for you, drinking or eating can be good because it will help the dizziness. Actually, we don't know. We need to ask. Uh, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, we can we can uh, have information about what is usually helpful: breathing, going outside, going to the bathroom. Things I've already said: drinking something, eating something. But that depends depends on that person. If I am used to anxiety and it's not my first or my second panic attack or anxiety attack, I know what helps. So I know they say, I just need to go to the bathroom. Okay, let's go to the bathroom. People leave, leave a space, let the person be. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Yes, yes, I need to go. Okay, do you want to drink something? Do you want us to be here with you? Do you want to be on your own for for a moment? That depends. And those are all things on those lists. You know, uh, be around to prevent something uh, risky from happening, you know, fainting or something. Ask if the person is dizzy uh, or in risk to, to lose uh, conscious. Uh, those are things we can we can do, but it's really depending on how that person reacts to her or his own anxiety. Sometimes anxiety is just the breathing and heating and it just calming down and it will go. Sometimes it's dizziness and confusedness and the risk of fainting. And then if we have someone around, uh, it's better. So I can ask. Uh, but it's really depending on what happens with that person uh, differently than what happens with the other person. So, Okay, thank you very much. Thank you so much for this discussion, Marusia. We really, really appreciate um, your input on this crucial topic, especially from a perspective of someone with the academic and professional background. Um, and also for helping us bust the myths that are often available online. So just um, to wrap up with our podcast, um, could you leave our listeners with a few tips, depending on whether they are teachers, parents, or students, on what they should do when they are having mental health difficulties, uh, including anxiety and panic attacks, and what to do when others are having the same. Uh, okay, thank you again for for having me and for being interested and uh, bothered to share uh, information about mental health. I think it's really, really important. Um, 
talking about you know like gold <laughs> gold tips for for those situations i think the most important thing even if it's for myself or for others is uh, to know that it doesn't happen with me only it's not me having problems you know mental health situations um difficulties struggling uh, are really um available to everyone uh, in different uh, times and and spaces i mean we are all vulnerable to being packed on our well-being and our energy and our motivation so normalizing Uh, mental health issues is really important. You know, I am not a troubled person because I'm suffering. You know, suffering is there. Uh, if something difficult happens with people, people will be impacted. Uh, so I need to uh, be in peace uh, with myself uh, on those situations and with others and not, again, in pathologized or individualized that person for suffer or struggle with a situation uh, we can all be in that shoe uh, at once uh, in our lifetimes so it's really uh, important to normalize this is the first uh, thing second uh, having our trusty uh, network You know, having people, having uh, different individuals to whom I can uh, speak and with whom I feel comfortable and confident. Because if something happens in any domain uh, of my life, school, uh, in academics or work or relationships, I know that I'm not alone and then I can really uh, talk and and be open with that individual with that person with that uh friend with that with my parent with my teacher and this is really uh the second important thing i uh what is my safe network uh of people and trustable ones and not judgmental ones Uh, so we can reach out for those individuals in in a moment of need. Um, third, uh, having and knowing the importance of uh, cultivating good habits all times, not only in times of difficulties. We tend to... Uh, be alert and aware of, okay, I need to eat better, I need to sleep better, I need to be with people, I need to have hobbies that I am interested in and get uh, satisfaction from. But um, most of, not most, but some people only think of the importance of those activities when they are suffering when they are in a difficult moment. So they miss, uh, uh, they they are aware of the lack of those activities and components in their lives. So that's why from an early age, we need to build that, you know, environment of health uh, around us. And that environment, it's 
cultivating good eating and sleeping habits and having hobbies and activities that we are really connected to can be sport can be a leisure activity can be our reading can be our walkings in the woods can be whatever uh we just know that we have them and we get satisfaction and gratification from that activities cultivating our relationships uh sometimes we miss our friends when we don't have a relationship anymore uh but we don't be with our friends uh, while we have a relationship so uh, those simple uh, situations that you know i need to be surrounded with good positive people who are my network of Uh, positive relationships, my friends, my family, the family members who uh, I am more connected with, um, spaces where I feel good uh, when I'm there, you know, and being able to cultivate there as a lifelong uh, process, not only when I feel the need to feel better or when I'm having and facing uh, difficulties in, in my life. So those activities are preventive. They prevent uh, the impact of a barrier, of a difficulty, of a crisis uh, being that intense. You know, if I have my, my good habits, if I have my friends, if I have my connection uh, with my activities, my environments, I am less vulnerable to be intensively impacted when something goes wrong in any dimensions. So cultivating healthy habits is really uh, a key thing in our mental health. And knowing the resources, you know, knowing what's available in near me, uh, knowing who uh to reach uh for in in a case of need who are the professionals who are the spaces the clinics the hospitals the uh, resources available to treatment and to get help online uh, uh networks you know you we have a hotline the, the hotlines the mental health uh hotlines if we don't see anything else uh, available in in Right, right away, you know, we can call uh, a mental health line, we can talk to our trusted people, we can reach out for treatment. That is treatment, treatment for everything. Uh, so we don't need to feel uh, nothing alone. I mean, we don't need to struggle alone. We don't need to suffer alone. Uh, the loneliness is sometimes uh, the second uh, impact uh, of any situation that may occur. You know, something bad happens and then I isolate myself. It's a double risk to that situation. So don't isolate yourself. Thank you so much uh, for all the input that you've uh, shared with us today. I hope that our listeners took away all the information they would need in their lives. And uh, 
thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much. In the last three episodes, you could learn how important mental health literacy is and how you can improve your knowledge on the topic. You could also get to know how to promote mental health literacy in the schools. And by listening to our podcast, you can get to know strategies you can deploy in heightened emotional situations in your everyday lives and in education. We would like to thank the support to Casa do Impacto in Lisbon. This project was assisted by Forward College.